Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. What a great holiday weekend to be a sport fan here in the 414. The Packers with a huge win on Thanksgiving Day. We saw the Badgers get the axe back. The Bucks have been on a roll. We'll talk to Big J, Jason Volkoff, our NBA insider, and get caught up with everything that's going on in the association as well as some college basketball to wrap things up on this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. Let's go. Oh! But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. This is the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. My thanks to you, as always, for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast from. We appreciate the time that you provide us to share a little bit about what's happening here in the city of Milwaukee and the surrounding communities when it comes to the world of sports. So please hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. We're going to start things off with that big win just the other day on Thanksgiving as the Packers take down the Lions and climb to five and six on the year. It was one of those games that I got to say, and I've heard from others that in watching it, I kept looking at the score thinking going into the game, I figured it'd be reversed. I figured Detroit, who has had an outstanding season so far going into that Thursday game, had a little chink in the armor uh, with their play against the Chicago Bears, but I thought going into that game, um, they were just going to be too dominant. I mean, it wasn't that long ago they rolled into Lambeau Field and absolutely took care of business, and we heard all the griping and moaning about suddenly it became Ford Field West with all of the blue that had descended upon Lambeau Field, but after that rough stretch, we have seen this Packer team really grow right in front of our eyes. Again, that 29-22 victory on Thanksgiving has been kind of one of those jump-off points where now you start to look at a team that not that long ago you were scratching your head going, what is happening here? But now at 5-6, and six, they could be playing some some meaningful football once we get into December. Now, next week, we get the Sunday night game. They'll take on the defending Super Bowl champs in the Kansas City Chiefs. That will be a daunting task. But I'll say this when it comes to the game against the Chiefs. 
For me personally, it'll be a lot like when Wisconsin played Ohio State three, four weeks ago now, where I wanted them to be competitive. I didn't think Wisconsin had enough talent at this point to take down Ohio State. But if you could be competitive, how you could take what I know a Matt LaFleur, uh, a Luke Fickle doesn't want to hear, which is a moral victory, and take that momentum and then push it forward. So now the Packers, who have had some momentum building, beating the Chargers, the Lions, again, getting Kansas City at home, as long as you're competitive, as long as you make a showing in which you say, hey, there's glimpses here. And more than what we saw early in the year in, in the midst of that, that three-game losing streak where we got a flash here and there, we need something more consistent over four quarters like what we saw against Detroit, like what we've seen against the Chargers where there's a bit of resiliency. You see guys making plays when they need to make plays. You've seen the defense now step up a little bit in ways it hadn't earlier in the season. My goodness, Rashawn Gary was a man possessed. When you think about the fact that just over a year ago in Detroit when he ripped the ACL and now a year later to be back and have the kind of game that he had, you understand where all the emotion came from if you got a chance to see the locker room um, after the game when he was presented the game ball. You completely understand where Rashawn Gary is coming from. And then after that Chiefs game, You've got games in which you could literally be favored in, I think there's five left, so four out of the last five. Four out of the last five where you could be favored, and again, maybe, just maybe, suddenly we start thinking about playoffs. And it was funny because in the way I said that, you know, Matt LaFleur the other day said, you know, I don't even want to go there when somebody mentioned the potential of a playoff run for this Green Bay team. And, you know, he said he didn't want to go uh, that route. He didn't want to go all Jim Mora on somebody because he wants to take it week by week, and it's perfectly understandable. But us as fans, we can start thinking about it. Jordan Love had a magnificent game. Now, if there's one thing yet that I still have a major question mark on, and that's Jordan Love's ability to throw the deep ball. I still haven't figured out yet, is it arm strength or is it the fact that he's still trying to drop the ball in the bucket, so to speak, that he's still trying to do things and be precise as opposed to just letting it go and letting the likes of a Christian Watson just run underneath it and keep going. They made that connection. Christian Watson did a great job in that opening drive of fighting for that 50-50 ball and coming away with it. But when you watch the replay, or if you DVR'd the game like I do, what a geek. But anyhow, you see that if that ball had a little more distance on it, he catches Watson right in stride. He had the defender beat. That was an automatic seven right there. There was no way that defender was going to catch Christian Watson had it been put in stride. But it wasn't. Watson goes after that 50-50 ball and then really sets the table for how that game went on Thanksgiving Day with the defense getting some plays, getting some scores of their own, allowing then that run, that play-action pass for Jordan Love to be incredibly effective. I thought he played his best game to date, and that is a welcome sight to see when you see your quarterback in his rookie season ascending as the weeks go on.
you know, listen, we're, as fans, we all go up and down, you know, like a EKG with somebody in the midst of having a heart attack because on one minute we ride the highs as well as we do and we the lows are suddenly the end of the world. But Jordan Love has maintained a level of composure that I think is completely uncharacteristic of many of the rookie quarterbacks that you see with the exception of really the standout ones. And so moving forward, can again we get that deep ball? Can we hit our guys in stride? Is this, again, arm strength, or are we just trying to finesse it too much? Hopefully Matt LaFleur can get Jordan to just air that thing out so we can see what we have in store for us moving forward. But after watching what took place on Thanksgiving, I think Brian Gudikins, Matt LaFleur, and the rest at 1265 Lombardi Avenue have to be pretty secure in the fact that right now they have their quarterback moving forward. Joe Barry and his defense, I still have question marks. I understand there's been some injuries. I'm not a fan of constantly putting ourselves in a zone look where offenses are exploiting open areas. Again, go back to that Chargers game. Had the Chargers caught the ball, you're not looking at a two-game winning streak because they were the ones who created the mistakes that gave the Packers that victory. There's no giving the Packers this victory on Thursday. They earned every single inch of the ground that they covered to come away with the win. So moving forward, we've got to take a peek at the Kansas City Chiefs. Where do we stand once we take them on next week, Sunday evening in a primetime matchup? Hopefully the weather will be a, a little tricky and, uh, and, and favor the Green Bay Packers, but we'll just have to wait and see. Before we exit out of this segment, anybody else noticing how the New York media now is starting to turn a little bit on Aaron Rodgers? There's a report out yesterday in the midst of all the football uh, being played that Aaron Rodgers could be back at practice this week. But more and more, you're starting to see the comparisons. And I need let me let me drop this comparison in. Look at the comparison through 11 games between Aaron Rodgers, his rookie year, his his first year as a starter with the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love. They are statistically identical. Statistically identical. If we were going to throw this up on CNN or Fox or MSNBC and and we're talking about a political race and you get, you know, the the poll numbers are plus minus whatever, that's exactly what they would be doing on this and they would be calling it a statistical dead even heat. Those two quarterbacks, as much as we've ridden the up and down with Jordan Love this year, statistically are just about equivalent in every single major category. All right, let's go back now to Aaron Rodgers in New York. And what I was getting at is it's it's great that he may have the opportunity now to come back to practice off of that Achilles injury because I don't think there's any I, – I can't believe people wish injuries on, on anyone regardless of what – whether or not their friend, foe, or anywhere in between, or you feel jilted because he went to the Jets, whatever the case may be. I did not want to see Aaron Rodgers tear his Achilles. I ain't going to lie. I would not have argued if he would have struggled so far this season with the Jets, but injuries, no. But now we're starting to see the New York media, which we kind of thought would happen at some point, regardless of whether it's this instance with the players 
that Aaron is brought in or his play, but we would start to see the honeymoon fizzle and that New York media attack Aaron Rodgers in a way that I don't think he ever was attacked when he was with the Green Bay Packers. It's a different mindset in that media room between Green Bay and New York. And now we're starting to see talk radio, the articles being written talking about the fact that, you know, he was the one who made sure Alan Lazard got paid and was brought in, that he had his buddy Randall Cobb along with him. The linemen, you can go right down the list of those individuals that he asked for and brought with him into the New York Jet organization and how poorly so far this year they're doing. I mean, Alan Lazard on that Black Friday game on Amazon Prime was a scratch from the roster, and he's not injured. It's all because he's just struggling this year. He got paid. Good for him. A great player while with Green Bay, but it's not translating over to the coast, and now the media is starting to turn a little bit. So though Aaron looks as if he may be coming back or could come back at least this week, Keep an eye on the media because I think the honeymoon is starting to fizzle a little bit, and I think we're going to start to see uh, the sharks in the water as we make our way towards the latter part of this NFL season. All right, let's get to a break. On the other side of the break, we've got to talk about the Badgers. The axe is back in Madison, and we'll get to it in just a sec. Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. Com. All right, so to continue the euphoria of what was the sporting Thanksgiving weekend as we kick off this Monday, the Badgers on Saturday, now winners of two in a row, ensured themselves a winning season once again by reclaiming the axe, beating Minnesota in the Twin Cities 28-14. to 14. It Once again, it was the fact that the Badgers had to be you know, punched in the face. There's the old Mike Tyson line when he talks about the fact that everybody trains, everybody knows what they want to do, but it's how you react once you take that first punch. Well, fortunately for the Badgers, they took the first punch and they responded. And they responded in in a way that I wasn't sure, again, if they would because this has been such an up-and-down year. This has been a year in which we've seen the Badgers start slow, play well in the second half, especially defensively, excuse me, and offensively, sometimes we get it going, sometimes we don't, and it's been that type of year for the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, credit to the Wisconsin Badgers. They went back to Big Ten football. They went back to Big Ten football. I don't know if it finally sunk into Phil Longo. I don't know if Luke Fickle walked in to the offensive coordinator's office and said, listen, I get what you want to do, but this is the Big Ten. There is a style in which you have to play in the Big Ten, and part of that style is, yes, you can go four wide. Yes, you can run what, quote-unquote, likes to be known as the air raid offense, but you have to have a running attack. You have to be able to run the football. 
you have to be able to create your passing lane, so to speak, off of some play action and not just constantly sit in that air raid style in which we're running slants and and hitting somebody in the flat and hope we're getting yards after catch, which really never manifested itself throughout this season. So what we saw last week against Nebraska after going down 14 to nothing and after what we saw on Saturday when the Badgers went down 7 nothing was once again going back to what I'll call Big Ten football, which is domination with regards to the run. And there is no better person, even when he's not 100%, to dominate a running game than Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen goes 26 carries for 165 yards for two touchdowns. Now, he'll fall 16 yards short of getting 1,000 yards this year and walking off the field, watching him walk off the field on Saturday. You have to wonder if that's the last we're going to see of Braylon Allen in a Badger uniform. And I don't think Braylon Allen will be looking necessarily to go uh, – to another school in the transfer portal, I think this is all about it's time to head for the NFL draft. Running backs have a tendency, if they're relied upon heavily, like we've seen Braylon Allen relied upon at Wisconsin, you begin to break down. And you need to have uh, some years ahead of you uh, with your body when you get to the NFL so that you can get the contracts like Jonathan Taylor got with the Indianapolis Colts. So who knows if we're going to see Braylon Allen even in the bowl game that the Badgers have now qualified for. But if that was his last game, donning the red and white, bless his heart, 16 carries, or I'm sorry, was it 22 carries for 165 is what it ended up being. Just just masterful. And and not being 100% to dominate and the power of, uh, run the way he did and knocking some defenders backwards and you're not 100%, get healthy, sir. Get healthy. Get yourself right. Get into the draft, and, and we wish you nothing but the best because you've always given us the best. And I know at times, you know, Badger fans have been a little, I don't upset's too strong, but a little frustrated about, you know, the injuries and being nicked up. But when you think about what he's had to endure – at times with an offensive line that has been less than effective in in moments and to still perform the way he has, you know, uh, he, he's given this team his all. You got to give a shout-out, too, to Tanner Mordecai. Tanner was really effective uh, Saturday in the Twin Cities from both the run and pass perspective. You know, the good thing about Tanner Mordecai is he can move with his legs, right? He can give you that run option that we necessarily haven't seen to the level that Tanner Mordecai has has presented to us. But on Saturday, going 14 of 22 for 145 yards and a touchdown, you know, the interception he threw comes at a Hail Mary towards the end of the uh, first half. So I, I know it counts in the stat sheet, but all right, he, he tossed one up and was hoping for the best as both teams were getting ready for intermission there. So I, I don't know if I want to hang that upon him, but he played a solid game. And though Tanner Mordecai hasn't had necessarily, I think, the year that many of us anticipated because of the success he had in the air at SMU, 
what he was able to do, I think, in a nutshell, we saw on Saturday, which was the threat of running, held linebackers in play, especially within the box. That gave the tight ends, that gave the slot receivers angles that they could um, really really accentuate and, and allow then Tanner to have passing lanes to make those connections. That There was something offensively that clicked finally, finally clicked for the Wisconsin Badgers, and it was great to see, especially for those seniors, that they were able to get the ax and bring it back to Minnesota. And before we wrap things up with this, we have to give a shout-out to the defense, who, again, got punched in the mouth in that first series and, and – I guess, you know, if if the coordinators could explain why they get off to such a slow start, they would they would, you know, work their magic and correct it. But that defense seems to week after week have to be down by a touchdown or two before suddenly the alarm clock goes, the adjustments are made and then they're off and running and there was an example of that on Saturday when they were down 7 nothing, but they bounced back feverishly, and again, they get the win. So the Badgers now sit and wait for what bowl game they will be offered. God, I hope it's the Pop-Tart Bowl. I want them so bad to go to the Pop-Tart Bowl, but we'll have to wait and see what gets offered, what they accept, as they will have at least one more game, and for Coach Luke Fickle and his staff, he'll get at least 15 more practices with his team as now we start to look forward to next year. A two-game winning streak at the end of the year gives people hope, I guess you could say, moving into next season as, again, this transformation takes place in Madison. Before we get um, to some NBA stuff, real quick, we have to shout out to UW-Whitewater and UW-Lacrosse, both winners on Saturday in the uh, NCAA Division Three football playoffs and both now will head into games coming up on Saturday. Lacrosse will take on North Central, North Central the defending national champs, but they get them at home. Whitewater has to go to Iowa to play Wartburg. Keep your fingers crossed. If both teams win on Saturday, you get a Lacrosse Whitewater matchup in the final four. Winner gets to play for a national championship. You've got to celebrate Division Three athletics in the state because it's as good as good gets. All right, let's get a break. On the other side of the break, we'll bring in our NBA insider, Jason Volkoff. Jason joined me to put this together before the Bucks win against the Blazers. So when you hear Jay talk about the fact that they're 7-3, and three, this is prior to the game against Portland yesterday. So when you hear that, just know he, he knows what he's talking about. We just got together and put the segment together before the Bucks took on Portland, and we'll talk to Big J right after this break. Let's once again bring in our NBA insider, Jason Volkoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast. How are you, sir? Living the dream. You know that. There you go. All right. Let's <laughs> let's get into some Bucks talk. 
Um, seven and three in the last ten. Yep. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a different vibe, I guess I would say, in relation to the last time we spoke, where there were those out there who were looking to already run the coach out of town, you know, yep. early on in the season. But since our last conversation, it's a seven and three run, which isn't altogether terrible. What's your take on where the Bucks are at, how they're doing? Um, just you know where we're sitting right now in the last 10 games. Yeah, they're uh they they're certainly finding their footing and I think the last time we talked I said they're treating this like the preseason. They know that they're going to make the playoffs and they're they're going to they're going to work their way through the problems that they've had whether it be with coaching, players gelling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you mentioned that they're seven and three in the last 10. And, and at first glance, that's great. However, I think it's a good news, bad news situation because yes, they're seven and three and that's a, a great mark. Um, however, the, the three losses that they have are to playoff contenders. They're going to be the people in the, the postseason that they're going to have to play they lost to Boston. They lost to Indiana. They lost to Orlando. And Orlando certainly is a surprise in the, in the East. But the loss to Boston was particularly disappointing. It just didn't feel like they had any, any energy, any mo. You know, going into the garden there, uh, you would have expected them to have a little bit more of a we've got something to prove vibe going into that and they just were flat uh the celtics took it to them um it, it so so it's tough it's tough to say again is the glass half full or the glass half empty they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. however i think that they should be beating uh playoff level teams now it's a long season seven and three in the past ten is a great mark so let's look at it as as the glass being half full um, and and take a look at what's coming up on the horizon here, which is the uh, the in-season tournament. Jay, before we get to the in-season tournament, do you feel like this team has figured out um, the rotations and their roles with the addition of Dame Lillard? I still get the impression in watching this team that there are times when they seem a bit out of sorts, kind of like that Boston game that you just spoke of, in especially that first quarter. I, I'm I'm just wondering if if this is a team that as the year goes on will see improvement, or do you feel like this is one of those things that they're going to struggle with all season long? The the chemistry, the mixture, knowing each other's roles, strengths, weaknesses, all of those things. Do you feel like that's going to get better over time? I do. We're clearly not there yet. It's clearly not a, a well-oiled machine. Again, by uh, the looks of like the Boston game. And I, I hate to even say, you know, wins are wins and there's no, there's no statistics column that bad win, bad loss wins, wins, losses, right? That's it. However, the, the win against Washington in my mind was a bad win. Washington's two and 14. We should have beat the paint off of them. And we did. That's a dumpster fire right there. Right. The Wizards are a dumpster fire. Right. So again, there are no bad 
NBA players. There are bad teams. So on any given night, you can get it stuck to you. But home game against the worst team possibly in the league to to win in the fashion that they did is a little, little bit disappointing. Um, it's kind of speaking to your point. So I don't feel that they're there yet. Will they get there? I believe they will. Again, you've got two two very uh, specific unknown commodities for the Bucks, and that's still the coaching staff with Coach Griffin, and um, and how Dame fits in the thing. And it doesn't mean that I don't feel that Dame uh, won't won't fit well with the Bucks. It's just where does he fit? Now we've seen again in fourth quarters, he's he's as advertised. He gets those buckets. You know, he could he could show up at halftime for the games and 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 get in there at fourth in the fourth quarter and win games. So that's really good to see. Uh, again, they'll figure it out. But again, when you look at their progression, they're making the steps that they need to to get to where where they're going. All right. So we've got the in season tournament, a big game uh, tomorrow. We're posting this on Monday. So Tuesday night, it's the Bucks in the Heat. Um, the Bucks win, they get in. It it's had um, I think the impact on the NBA fan base that the NBA had hoped for. It like you and I had been talking before coming uh together to put the podcast together that it's a Tuesday night. Yeah. End of November. Right. Got a game that people I think are gonna tune into because they've They've given it relevancy. Indeed. And it, it's exciting to finally have games in November that mean something. And we see that, you know, coming up on Tuesday, the Bucks, who are 3-0 and in the tournament. Now, the way, again, to kind of review the way the, the in-season tournament works is there's um, six different pools, three in the East, three in the West. You win your pool – and you go on to the knockout round, which is single elimination. Uh, there are eight teams that go to the knockout round. So there are two, two um, wild cards. So that makes it exciting. Right now, there's two teams that have made it in already, the Lakers and the Indiana Pacers. So there's six teams that uh, are still vying for spots, which again, in November, where most people would say, well, the NBA season doesn't start till till Christmas. This actually gives it some relevance. So if the Bucks win on Tuesday, they win their group, which is which is group B. Uh, if the Heat win and the Knicks lose to the Hornets, I believe that they play, then the Heat win uh the their group. So uh it makes it exciting if you're following uh, additionally, if the Heat and the Knicks both win on Tuesday, meaning that the Bucks would have lost, then there's a three-way tie, which then goes to to points scored in your in your group. So it it makes it very exciting. It makes points important. And uh, it, as we we saw, Demar Derozan, you know, Compton Zone was uh, had a bit of a problem with uh, the the uh, the Raptors the other night because even though the game was in hand, they were still scoring points because it matters. Now, it didn't matter to DeMar DeRozan. 
I think there's a number of players that don't really truly understand how the format actually still works. Um, but um, it matters. Those things matter. So it's good to see that the machine that they've put together is indeed working. It's making it exciting. And, um, uh, you know, again, for the Bucks to be playing the Heat on a, a well, a, a Tuesday in November in a meaningful game makes it, makes it exciting, you know, even for the casual fan. Yeah, it seems like uh, the experiment is working and we'll see how the NBA goes about tweaking it as we get into next season. But as you and I have talked about on past podcasts, the one thing about the NBA is they're always good at experimenting, throwing some things out there, seeing if it works, if it doesn't work. They seem to be um, quite amicable to just move on. Like, okay, it sure. didn't work. we gave it a shot and let's see what happens. Um, well, I'll just close out on this. I think it's amazing when we come off of the COVID pandemic to think about the financial hardships that went through Vegas and sure. to see this year alone, all of the things that are rolling through that town to yeah. in essence, put it back on its feet. So you had the F1 race now a little over a week ago, you get this NBA tournament, you got the PAC 12 tournament, the Super Bowl, all right. of these things now rolling through Vegas. Um, in essence, you wouldn't think about it, but again, after the pandemic helping, um, a town that specializes in sport and hospitality right. get them back on their feet. It, it just seems kind of amazing. Yeah. God bless, man. I was always so worried about is Vegas going to make it, you know, they, do they have enough money out there? I was worried that they might have to shutter some casinos or golf courses or heaven forbid the spearmint rhino. So yeah, thank God. <laughs> way, way to keep it clean, Jace. All right, sir. Thank you uh, once again for jumping on. Uh, a belated happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week. Same to you. All right, my friend. So that was Big J giving us a little insight into the Milwaukee Bucks, who, again, Tuesday night taking on the Miami Heat would would have been, I don't know if a, a, a really meaningful game in the month of November has come to that point. If you're into this in-season tournament, which apparently a lot of people are. The viewership is up. I, I think there's a little momentum building with regards to it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Tuesday. Our thanks to Big J, as always, for joining us here on the podcast. we got one more segment left. want to talk a little college hoops. We'll do so in just a moment. This edition of the 414 Sports Podcast up, talking some college hoops. Again, I can't state it enough. What a great weekend for Thanksgiving for not only shoving your face, but the ability to see uh, the teams from our area have success. And it really started a little bit earlier in the week as both Marquette and Wisconsin, you know, in these these holiday tournaments and the good thing about basketball is you really get some interesting matchups because they won't really necessarily hurt you towards the end of the year but they can help you so if you can get and stockpile some of these quad one wins when it gets to tournament time when the committee has to sit down and start making out the brackets about who's going where and 
who's playing who and who has what seed, these are the games that can help. Now, I don't think necessarily it goes to your detriment. So a, a team like Kansas, who lost to Marquette, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine. And I think had Marquette lost to Kansas, they'd be just fine too. But it's a feather in Marquette's hat when you start looking at the seeding that they beat in this instance the number one team in the country. So you find a team like Marquette who not only gets past UCLA for the first time in forever, but then they take down the number one team in the country, that being Kansas, and quite honestly played Purdue as well as you could. How do you defend Zach Eady? Seven, four, five, six, however tall he is. He's like looking at a redwood tree standing in the middle of the paint. But they did a magnificent job. They struggled a little bit. I thought Coach did a really good job with his substitution pattern early on as Oso Ikadaro uh, struggled in foul trouble. And yet they made that run towards the end and lose 78-75 to the number two team in the country. At some point this morning, take a peek at the AP Top 25. I think we're going to see Purdue at number one. And I would not doubt if you'll see Marquette at two or three in the latest AP rankings. And then when we think about Marquette, Mar- I was think about Marquette, we were just talking about Marquette. When we think about the Badgers in their holiday classic and the way they had a battle through, you know, after that loss to Tennessee and especially against Providence, you, you started to wonder, you started to scratch your head, but they kind of got themselves together against Robert Morris winning by 10. But then they also, with a significant win against, in this case, Virginia, who I believe was ranked 23 at the time, they beat Virginia 65-41. to And then in the Fort Myers tip-off, they get to play SMU for the championship and win 69-61. to Chucky Hepburn waited a long time to show up, but when he did, my goodness, did it pay dividends, hitting a three- and then a deuce with an and one inside of about three and a half minutes, hit another three as we approach the one-minute mark, and it really seemed to help boost his confidence, not only in shooting, which the team desperately needs consistent perimeter shooting, but you saw Chucky locking people down defensively. It was as if he hit a couple of shots. It felt like the weight of the world, or watching him, it appeared like the weight of the world had left his shoulders and he just went at it, and it helped then, again, the Badgers take down SMU, a very formidable opponent. The professor, Dan Underberg, said on our show this past week, you can't always equate what SMU is football-wise to basketball-wise. They're two different entities, and he's absolutely right. People will look at it and go, well, SMU, and you kind of roll your eyes a little bit. It wasn't the Badger football team playing. It was their basketball team playing. SMU is very athletic, very long. Um, They're going to pose problems for people in their conference throughout this season, and I think they're going to be a team to keep an eye on because, again, when we look at quad one victories like the Badgers just got with Virginia and SMU, it's going to go a long way when we make our way towards tournament time. Now, both Marquette and Wisconsin have non-conference opponents coming up this week, tonight on Monday, and on Tuesday for for Marquette. But wait, 
It's Saturday. Saturday afternoon, we get that in-state rivalry game. We just got through rivalry week in football, he says five times fast. We get the in-state matchup that just gives bragging rights between Wisconsin and Marquette. And the way both teams, again, coming off their holiday tournament showings, I think it's got the earmarks of an instant classic. So we'll keep our eye on that one. Once again, thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the like and subscribe button. Have yourself a great week. If so inclined, we'll see you Saturday morning, 8 to 10, 97.3 The Game, or anywhere on the iHeart app for myself the Professor Dan Underberg, and the Polish Bite Bomb, Jeff Orlowski, on the Journey House College Sports Show. So make sure you tune in to that. Thanks again for joining us here, and we'll talk to you next week.